we're doing the um, our little mess message tonight a little differently. We're, it's going to be split in three little pieces, small pieces, um, as we gather around the, the table. Um, we're on this series, a liturgy of transformation, um, primarily focusing on our gathered worship. A couple years ago, we looked at this this whole thing is why do we gather, and we saw its expression was the first and foremost reason. But then also in the process, God does a transformative work in us. And um, in this little series, we're mainly focusing on the formation part. Um, we are here gathered as an extension of the worship that we do um, in all the places we go out there. And then we come together uniquely um, to praise him as a church body. Um, and in so doing, as we do so, um, and it's God's work, um, he shapes and forms us as we do that. Um, as we talk about, he bends the needle of our heart um, back towards himself. And we talk about the fact that a, um, creating a, um, a habit, um, habits are healthy things as they, they shape us over and over again. As we repeat them again and again in various ways, um, those habits of, of life and particular habits of worship um, end up having a formative effect in us. And so we've been looking at what are those habits, what are these pieces that we do when we come together and how they shape us. The liturgy that um, we follow is the, actually the liturgy of the gospel. And at its heart, it's hearing God's word through the scriptures and then seeing or enacting um, God's word through our gathering around the table. So last week we looked at the, um, we first said gathering, and last week we looked at the importance of the word and centrality. That's where we discover about him. That's where he instructs us. And we, we listen to the word. And then around the table that we do each week, we actually see the drama of the, um, of the, the word made flesh, Christ himself, the incarnate word. We, we enact that story as we get around the table. Um, we're not going to do a full exposition of the Lord's Supper. Actually, we just did a, quite a long thing just a, a few months ago. Um, but I want to just highlight three aspects of the, what we call the Lord's Table tonight, um, just to, to catch our attention here as we walk through these. And I'll split these. We'll take them one at a time um, as we interact with some worship in between and the gathering of the table. So the first, the first thing that the table does, it, it portrays the story, the gospel story. The, the actual table in front of us is designed to portray the story. Let me read um, several different scriptures here. First one's from Matthew 26, verse 26. As they were all eating, Jesus took bread. After blessing it, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take eat, this is my body. And then he took a cup, and he had given thanks to them, saying, Drink it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, for the forgiveness of sins. For I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. When we talked a bit the last time we spoke on the Lord's Supper, this whole Passover thing and how Jesus took it and, and, and took that and showed the deeper, the truer meaning of that. 1 Corinthians 11, verses 23 through 25. Paul says, I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do it in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper and said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Both places, he talks about this covenant, this new covenant. Um, we looked at um, a number of months ago, we talked about remember me. It's, it's to make present, this idea of making present. Exodus 24, verse 8 um, just a little background on covenants here. Moses took the blood 
and he threw it on the people. And he said, Behold, the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. They enacted the covenant with blood. Jeremiah 31 talks about the new covenant, verses 31 through 34. He says this, Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, even though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them. I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they will all know me. And from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sins no more. Um, the table is a portrayal of the whole story. And these are just some pieces of it. I, um, I brought show and tell. So um, I think I've shown some of these before. A few little things. I don't know about you. If you have kept certain, everybody keeps things that are meaningful to them. Whether you keep them in a little box. Or sitting, these are all sitting on my desk somewhere. Um, this is a, uh, just a little piece of stainless steel machine part in between two ministry um, jobs I had. Um, I quit one, and then I couldn't find another one, so I was off. I was looking for a couple of years, but um, I worked in a machine shop in Concord, California. I made about 25 of these things an hour, about 10 to 12 hours a day. That's all I did for two years. Um, this is one of the ones I messed up, and I messed up a whole ton of them. I was not a great machinist. Um, but I have this sitting on my desk because every time I, when I pick this thing up, it means nothing to anybody here. I look at that. I remember, I remember what it smelled like in there. Um, I remember the hours. Um, I worked with um, almost, I had about eight other people in my particular part of the shop. Uh, none of them had any church background whatsoever. Um, I had more ministry in those two years than I ever had in the church before then. And they all called me the preacher. I'm not sure why I was a youth pastor, but they called me the preacher. And interesting that they would, they would all come to me. They would all, I was the one they could talk to. And, um, but I had this on my desk. When I look at it, I remember those two years. I remember what was going on with my wife and I, where we were living, what we were doing, um, and what God was doing. Um, I have a I don't know what kind of tree this is from, but a piece of bark. It's one of those trees that all peels off all the times. Um, and I have this, I have it actually pinned up on my wall above my desk. But um, I was uh, in San Francisco a, a long time ago at a prayer retreat. And um, it was a, a prayer, uh, it was a week of silence. And um, on one of my walks around, the, it was at uh, uh, San Francisco Theological Seminary. One of my walks in the neighborhood, I was just walking and, and pondering. And um, I was just really convicted about having a really hard heart. Um, and just on a number of different levels, I just, God just made it really clear. It was very painful. Um, and when I was having that conviction, um, I saw this tree with all the bark being stripped off. And I um, it just I felt like God was saying, Chris, I want to strip all that hard stuff off you. And it's going to really hurt. And so I grabbed this, this piece of bark. And just, so whenever I look at this, I remember everything that happened to me in that day. I remember the conviction I felt or the, the sense that I had um, was not looking the right way. It was not looking towards life. I remember um, some of the fearfulness of, of knowing that God was going to kind of start pulling some of that hardness away. Um, I remember some of the, the joy of actually walking into that and knowing that God was at work in me. Whenever I look at this, I remember that. And then the last one I brought is a piece of fan coral. I think it's illegal to grab these now. Um, but when I was a kid, it didn't matter, um, which is why it's illegal now. Um, anyways... This actually found this on the beach. Um, this is, I was like nine years old. Um, my family did a lot of trips, and we were in the Bahamas, 
and I remember this is on the beach, and I picked it up, and I have kept it ever since then. Um, part of it was um, I have a lot of unhappy experiences growing up. This is one of my happy experiences, and I just remember as a family together, we, we enjoyed each other. We, were, um, we did things together. There was a, a different sense about us as a family, and when I picked this up and looked at it, I, I remember my mom's face at nine years old. I remember my dad. I remember fishing. I remember what the, the beach smelled like. Um, all those things, and it reminds me how God was at work over and over again. So I have these little things I grab um, as pictures. Interesting, all those things are personal, so they mean nothing to you guys. They're just they're things that I see, and they bring a story to mind. Um, and we all have those kinds of things. The table is unique in that it's supposed to, when we look at it, remind us of something and bring a whole bunch of things to mind as we look at it. And what's unique about it, it's not just for me. It's, it's, a, it's a story that we all get to step into together. It's a story that's, that's for all of us. Um, and as we all gather around it as one body, um, all these things come to mind, whether it's when you first came to Christ, um, where's his thankfulness for the week, what's remembering what he did, what's the promises of his coming, um, the joy of being together, all these different images that Jesus wanted to bring together um, all get portrayed um, in this story. Um, at the table, um, we get a story that's eternal, and it's a, it's, a, it's a story that comes to mind when we see it that's for the whole world. And we get the whole Bible in a meal. As Jesus takes the Passover, and he gives it its proper interpretation, its full interpretation, and lays it out for the disciples, we end up getting the entire gospel, the whole Bible, um, in a meal. As Jesus, we just read, he takes, he takes the bread, and he attaches a meaning to it. So that every time we pick it up, even when we're eating somewhere, we ought to think of it. He gives the bread a, a meaning, and the meaning has a story behind it. It's about the bread of life who gave his life for us. Um, it brings us back to the manna and our, our place for depending on him, and that we can't do it on our own. Jesus had to provide a, a, a way for us to have redemption with him. He takes the cup, and he gives it a brand new meaning. He says, this is about my blood. Um, and then they think back to the, the Passover, and they're covered, and they're protected, and God's caring for them, and yet the full story is that there's finally a sacrificial lamb in Jesus, and we get this cup, and it's given new meaning, a drink, it's blood, it's poured out, it's atonement. Um, So over time, as we gather around this and look at it, we begin to get the entire redemptive story. Jesus even says, until I come, so he's even looking ahead in the story to the day when he finishes it all. And so we gather around, it portrays for us the whole gospel story. One way to trace it, by the way, is if you think through the covenants, it's interesting that Jeremiah mentions a new covenant, and Jesus comes along and says, this is the new covenant. Um, there are multiple covenants. I think that even, even the, um, there's some familiar ones. I think even the garden was a covenant time um, when Jesus makes the garden, brings them in there, and he makes promises to them, um, and he calls them just to be obedient, to, to listen to his words. Um, Covenants are usually God makes a promise, and then there's attached to things that we're supposed to do. Um, and that the garden is one of those cases that they failed at. They, they made their own way. Um, as God provides this garden as a gift to humanity, and he, he makes an image makers of him, and they don't do that. The next covenant we get is the, the covenant with Noah. That's an interesting one that God makes a promise. There's nothing attached to that one for us to do. It's just a promise that he's not going to destroy the world in the same way. Um, but there's failure after that. We have the Abraham who gets the covenant given in multiple pieces, that he's going to make him a great nation, that blessing's going to come through him. He says, be faithful, trust me, wait on me. Um, 
We get the covenant to David, um, the promise of a coming king, a future king that would rule for all time. And again, attached with things, I want you to do this. Here's what this looks like to keep, to keep the covenant with me. And again, they fail it. And so what has happened since Jesus comes along um, as God himself who made the covenant and promises, what does he do? He says, I'm the one who made the promises. I'm also going to be the one to fulfill your requirements that you didn't keep. And so Jesus comes along as the one who's the promises, but then he also does our part and keeps it faithful so that he can then um, fulfill the covenant full so we experience the full blessing for it. And that's the wonder of the new covenant, this, this story we see here, the story of the new covenant, which began at the garden and it gets unfolded all the way through scripture. So we come to Jesus, who then becomes the fulfiller of all the covenants and then lays us out and says, you don't have to do anything. It's all been done for you. And so as you come to the table, remember that week by week by week by week. So we gather around the table. And the first thing we want to pay attention to is every time we come around this, as you look at it tonight, it portrays a story. And it's a story of redemption. It's a story of God's faithfulness. Um, and it's a story for the whole world um, as we do. So pray with me. And then let's sing. Lord, I thank you that from the very, very start, um, you made a plan and intention um, as you made promises to keep them. And even our own failings and the history of failings did not keep you from bringing these covenants to life and then making a new covenant with us. We thank you for the table in front of us and that every time we get to see it, we remember this entire plan of glorious redemption that you um, pursued on our behalf and accomplished for us. Um, we give thanks for it. And Lord, we thank you above all that um, that story is filled with hope, um, that it gives us a place to stand on today, um, and you are faithful to complete all that you've said you would do, and we give you thanks for it. So when we gather around the table, we... Um, we portray the story every single time um, we get around. Second of all, when we gather around the table, we proclaim the story. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six. Jesus uh, was said, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So recall that in the past we've talked about the fact when we remember him, um, not only do we recall something, but in recalling it, we, we make it present to us. So um, when you remember somebody um, somewhere along, um, you're not actually physically there, although the spirit is here in our midst, but you make, it, you make him present afresh again, and all that he does um, comes closer in a sense. Um, it's to call to mind what he did or to make present. And so when we proclaim his death, um, it's actually to call to one another the truth of the story. It's to make present for one another the truth of the story. So the idea of proclaiming his death, um, we're not actually um, shouting out anything here, um, but in the very gathering, the partaking, um, we actually call towards one another um, all that he is and all that he has done. Um, and in so doing, in a fresh way, so we do it together, we make that present for each other and remember what he's done. Um, the gathering around the table is, is, is a way of, um, usually fairly quietly, 
um, breaking out in proclamation. There's something happens that every time we do it, we, it's, it's a proclamation from us as a body of Christ, um, even though nobody outside of these walls may hear us tonight. Um, interesting that um, when Paul receives this in 1 Corinthians, it says, every time you do this, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. I was kind of wondering about that. So why, why is it proclaiming his death? Because um, we, we believe there's um, the resurrection is part of that. We have the death, we have the burial, we have the resurrection. Um, later on in, in um, 1 Corinthians 15, he says the gospel is that he, he died, he was buried, and he was raised again um, and seen. And yet um, there's a special emphasis that we proclaim his death um, in this. Um, and I'm not really sure what that's about, but one possibility is, it's interesting that the, the, um, the enemy's weapon is death. Um, he wants us to, to, to cast people aside from God. He brings um, the, whole, the whole picture of death. And that in Christ, um, the scriptures talk about we have, we have, there's victory over death. Um, Christ has won that. He rose from the dead. And so in some senses, as, as the enemy proclaims death as his weapon, um, we counteract that by a proclamation that another death comes straight against that. It, it stands in direct contrast with the very weapon that the enemy wants to use. Every week, we once again, um, when we come here, in an affirming, proclaiming manner as we gather, we affirm the truth of redemption. We affirm the wonder and goodness of the Father who participated. We affirm the gift of the Son. Um, we, every time we take it, we affirm our ongoing need for his work in us. And we proclaim in this meal that the kingdom, which is already not yet, um, but that, that God fulfills his promises. It's a proclamation um, to each other so that we can go out with this, um, a deeper conviction that God is still at work and he's finishing his work in the kingdom as he stands against all those things. Um, it is a weekly voice that we come together that stands in contrast to the world and it's a voice of proclamation that there is a better, a true, and there's a life-changing story at work in the world. And the whole world says there's all these other stories. We've talked about this from the beginning that, that give their take on what the purpose of life is about and what the world is about and what they think about the creator and God and everything else. And we come together as a body and we proclaim that there is, there is a true story for all the world and that there's a better one and it is still at work um, in this world. And part of the reason we do that is we do it together because we all come here and we forget we've forgotten that. And we proclaim it to each other um, which is why I don't think communion is supposed to be a private thing. Um, it's okay to go up there by yourself, but we, we're in the body together. Um, and you could take communion in your home all by yourself. You can do that. But really, it's meant for the body together because together we proclaim a truth to one another that we all need to be reminded of every single week, which is why um, we come together every seven days and review and remember that all over again. By gathering around the table, we proclaim to God that he is to be praised. We proclaim to our own hearts that we are forgiven and that we belong. We proclaim to one another for encouragement and unity. And we actually proclaim to the enemy that he doesn't have a victory, that that victory was lost, uh, that he has no victory here, that Jesus holds the victory around this table. So um, there's something very active, even in our silent gathering around the table, that is happening here. As we portray the story, 
and then we proclaim a great truth uh, that comes against all the stories of the world around us. As we prepare to gather around the table and as we sing, we're going to take some time to take communion now. Um, Let me read from Luke 22, verses 14 um, through 20. When the hour came, Jesus reclined at table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this, and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to them. He said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup, after they had eaten, he said, this cup that is poured out for you, it is the new covenant um, in my blood. Um, I'm going to pray for the bread and the cup, and then as we're singing, I invite you to know the Lord to come up. You don't have to wait in line tonight, so the table's on the side, but you can gather around the table. Um, It's there to share with one another. Um, Let's pray. Father, um, Again, we thank you for your faithfulness to pursue us, to carry out your purposes. Thank you for the for Jesus who was obedient to the point of death on our behalf. And as we gather and um, remember this great story, as we take the bread and remember the, the bread of life given for us and the cup in reminding of your blood, Lord, be honored as we raise you up. And Lord, that we um, would desire to proclaim the wondrous good news that there's atonement and there's a life and there's newness for us. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. In addition to um, portraying the story and um, proclaiming it, the last thing is um, when we gather around the table as a reminder that we get to participate Um, in the story as well. And recall and take in the truth that as his children, um, we are made participants in this very table. Let me just read um, three passages here. 1 Corinthians 10, 16 and 17 says, The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many, are one body, and we all partake of the one bread. And primarily that's Jesus, the bread of life, represented here in the bread on the table. Hebrews 9, 15 says, Therefore he is the mediator of a new covenant, so that those who are called, thus may receive the promised eternal inheritance, since the death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. This idea that Jesus comes and he mediates a new covenant to our life. Um, um, and we're welcomed into that because he's the mediator of that. Second Corinthians 3, 4 through 6. Such is the confidence that we have through Christ towards God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Um, it is no coincidence that Jesus chose a meal 
to portray himself, to proclaim, to remind us that we are participants um, in it. Um, there's four key elements to a meal. Um, usually, um, the best of meals, there's a host um, that's preparing and it's welcoming. Um, it's best enjoyed in community um, with each other. Um, this particular meal is not a meal we take alone. Um, a, a meal, this may sound obvious, but it's important, it's eaten. We don't look at it and think, well, that's wonderful, and we walk away. Um, just like in the very beginning of the garden, he says, just take and eat it, enjoy it. Um, and so we, we take it in, and we, we eat the bread and the cup as a, a picture of what we do in a full meal. We would eat it. And then lastly, um, the meals are meant to be shared. A meal is meant to be shared. So in regards to this, as we participate first, um, this, is, this is Jesus' meal, and he invites us into it. So in that first time in the upper room, as they gathered there, Jesus hosted that Passover. He interpreted the meaning of it, and um, they were allowed to be welcomed into it. And Jesus reached in, and he broke the bread, and he dipped it in, and they all got to reach in together. And as his host, um, he invites them to be at that meal. And as his people, we've been invited to be a part of this meal as well. Secondly, every single time we take it, um, we picture the larger gathered body of Christ. Um, as we often say, at, at the table, we're all the same. Um, we all come to it through the same, through the same gate. Um, we all come to it needing grace. Um, there's no chief seats at this table. There isn't the little kid's car table off in the corner that some of us get stuck at and the big table in the middle. Um, we all get together around um, this one table at the same place with each other. Um, we sang about it in that song. All of us um, were equally rebels who the covenant and his work in us makes us into worshipers, which is what it's about. So we get to come um, equally around this table here. He mediated the new covenant um, for us, and because of that, we all get to come here. And so every time we do it, it's a picture of what the body of Christ is supposed to look like, a unified group of people all coming together at the same place with each other, um, all welcomed at his feet as he's the host. Third of all, we eat it, we take it in. Um, Jesus in John 6 actually says some really strong things about unless you're willing to eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part of me. There's a sense that when we take it in, it's, it's a picture reminder that he, he's part of us. Um, we, we, we are um, not only is the spirit inside of us dwelling within this temple of our, that he's made us, in, but we are also in Christ, which is the bigger picture and we're gathered up on him. And when we eat and we drink and we take it in, that whole picture of it becoming a part of us physically is a picture of us being a part of him in all ways. So the scriptures say in him, um, in Ephesians, we have all the spiritual blessings in heaven place Christ. Everything we have, all of his inheritance, is all of ours. And every time we take it and I eat it, it's a reminder that all that he is, I have all that. Um, and it's part of me. He's made it a part of us by his new covenant and his death and his resurrection. Ephesians 6 says that we're, be, we're united with him in his death and his burial and his resurrection. We don't look at it from afar, but we actually, in a sense, uh, Galatians says that we're crucified with him. We, we become participants in the very thing he did. He brings us and makes us a part of it. He makes us a part of his death. And we're buried with him and we're raised with him. And as he lives a new life, we get to live that new life in his power. And we participate in his life. And then lastly, um, it says here in 2 Corinthians that we're made ministers of the new covenant. I love that. It says we're not sufficient in any things ourselves. 
But guess what? Yes, we are because of Christ. And he's made us sufficient to be ministers of the new covenant, which is we take that story as we portray it and we proclaim it. And as we get to be participants, he takes us, he makes us a part of it, part of his story, part of his work, part of all that he wants to do and his ongoing story, what he's going to complete. And he makes us ministers of that covenant um, as we go out from this place um, and carry um, his life in us to a world that needs to hear it. He takes us and makes us part of his story. And then amazingly enough, he uses each of our stories and all that goes on in those places and uses them to do a work, which is pretty amazing, um, out in this world as he wants to increase um, the people that participate in his great story. So we gather around the table. It's a picture, a portrayal of the whole gospel story. reminds us of redemption. We get together and we proclaim against everything else, all the other stories in the world, the truth of his story. And we remind each other of it. And we come around the story, it's a reminder, I made a participant in his work. This huge work has begun from the garden all the way today and continues on. He makes us participants. And every time we break it up and take it, he says, I've, I've joined you to my work and my story as we take it out these doors. So as we gather, as we have around this table, we declare that God is good. We celebrate new life. We remember who we are and what we have. Remember that we're his chosen. We remember that um, we're his children and we have everything that he has. Um, and we remember that we get sent um, as participants in the story to take that good news of the gospel story to a world that desperately um, needs to hear it.